Everyone eats out every day, but people don't think about how food arrives on the plate. This is Grounded, and I'm Lauren Mitchell. Join me as we delve deep into the challenges, expertise, and experiences of professionals and innovators in the food service industry. Grounded is powered by the Buyer's Edge Produce Division. Our mission is to provide innovative solutions and excellent service to food service operators. Hey listeners, we're going to do something a little bit different today in the spirit of IFPA Food Service Conference that was out in Monterey last week. Um, For those of you who aren't in the fresh produce industry and just in supply chain in general, this is an awesome time for customers and growers, suppliers, and management companies just to go out to the fields and visit with their clients and just be a part of all the great people in this industry. So I thought I would have Stephanie File, our Chief Procurement Officer of Fresh Alliance, on here to just recap what the experience has meant for her in past years and what it looked like this year. Stephanie, thanks so much for coming on. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Last week, many people attended the IFPA, and really the IFPA is an expo that's designed to help innovate and grow people's business in the produce industry. As a produce team, our focus in these shows are really the grower. We have an office in the heart of Salinas, but sometimes it's difficult to really break away with all of the team and really get the team members together with clients, distributors, and growers at the same time. And that's one key thing from this event that really brings us all together. I think that's probably one of the things that our team would say is the most special part about that. They really don't get that chance to really hear all three perspectives at the same table. I think another in particular event that the IFPA always brings on is called the round tables. That's kind of a strategic planned event by the IFPA and they utilize a questionnaire where they pair you with a company that they feel like you can learn from. We've done it every single year. We talk about new products, operations, clients' needs, and the future of our industry. I think that event has something that we always look forward to when we sign up for it every single year. I would highly suggest people look at that event and sign up for it. And I think in general, like, If you've been in the industry, you know what it takes to get a salad from the field to the fork. One of my favorite things is bringing new team members to this event. The miles and miles of produce field and the work that it takes to get fresh produce to every state is very underestimated in most minds. I never get tired of hearing the, wow, this was so educating and quite frankly, mind-blowing. I think that's probably one of my favorite takes on just having everybody out there in the field and just being able to see all parties that are involved in getting a fresh salad on the plate. That's probably procurement's favorite part. I know exactly what you're talking about. When we did the tours, we watched a carrot harvest with Bolt House, and then we also were out in the iceberg field with Taylor Farms, and they not only had their business development and sales team that we're used to speaking with behind the scenes, but also their ag and ops manager, the farmer, and the whole group right there in the field, cutting and showing and peeling back layers. And same takeaways, everyone just said, wow, I mean, I've seen it before, but I'm reminded now what it takes to bring food from the source to the plate. So I love that you brought that. It's more than people realize. And the more we can educate the teams that work on the day-to-day, the better 
we are to the client and the better we can be at getting their needs fulfilled with our growers and distributors, with everybody together. Yeah, it was excellent to have the distributors out there as well. We had a, a town hall actually for one of our clients we took. We just did it the side of the show and we invited any distributor that services them to come meet with them and shake their hand and talk about things in each market. So it kind of was able to dial it down that way. But just overall, a great time was had by all of our account managers that spent time between dinners or on the bus ride out to the fields and then walking the show floor and learning about new products. An awesome week in Monterey. So thanks, Seth, for your feedback and for jumping on and giving us the updates from our procurement side of things. You're welcome. All right. I'm very excited to introduce today's guest. She's crossed over from the data and tech space into fresh produce and food waste. She has a unique ability to mobilize and lead multiple cross-functional teams. She does whatever it takes to get the job done to meet agency and client expectations, always moving with a sense of urgency and seeing every project through until the finish line. Guys, her company has just been nominated as the top 10 from Fast Company for the most innovative company in social good. Not only that, but part of Inc.'s 2023 top places to work. So I'm super excited to hear all about the culture that she's got going on over there and all the good that they are doing to waste less and feed more. Chief Executive Officer at Copia, Kimberly Smith, welcome to the show. Thanks, Lauren. It's such a pleasure to be here and congratulations on your success with Grounded. This is Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I have had a lot of fun with Grounded. Um, some of our listeners may not know it's a it's a new journey and endeavor for me, but it's been so fascinating to get to know people throughout the food service industry and specifically into supply chain. So to start off, Kimberly, why don't you tell us a little bit about Copia? Sure, sure. Um, well, thank you for the kind introduction. So uh, as you mentioned, I have the honor of serving um, at the helm of an incredible little company called Copia. And we have built the very first fully automated waste tracking prevention and surplus redistribution platform. So what does that mean? Because that is a lot. Basically, Copia makes it as easy as possible for businesses to track their food waste and donate any surplus food that they may have. Anywhere in the United States, Puerto Rico, Canada as well. And we specialize in not only prepared food, but think single skew items um, at large scale. So there's really no task uh, that we can't take on. We have a 99.9% .9 match rate to ensure that any business that is willing to donate their surplus finds the right home for that food to go to. Fascinating. So already right there, I have a couple of questions. We work with concepts that have a national presence. So they are in multiple states. Yep. Um, what is your coverage specifically in the U.S.? Do you have, if if I've got you know, restaurants in Washington, restaurants in New Jersey, but also Florida covered there. Yep. Yep. So that's, I mean, that's perfect example of our, our core customer set. So businesses that have multiple units that need to be able to manage a program, create efficiencies and consistencies with the operations, access the data at scale, whether that hierarchically be from a corporate level down to the individual level, um, we are operating across the United States. So we're currently in 42 states. Um, however, there are no logistical or operational barriers to allow us to enter into the other states uh, because we have such a robust demand 
signaling from our nonprofit partners. So they're the ones that help us know when and where they need food. And so we're the matching algorithm that makes it happen. Oh, yeah. So you do the matching algorithm. That's right. Let's go down to ground level. If I'm, I don't know, Bridget's Cafe, let's say, and um, I'm situated in the state of California, specifically Los Angeles, you know, and I want to get this set up for, you know, I've got 10 cafes in in Los Angeles. What does that process look like specifically for my line cooks and staff members that are there, you know, let's say up till 9 p.m., 10 p.m., closing down? And, and just then they realize that they've got excess food. You know, talk me through kind of that experience. Sure. So the majority of our R&D has been uh, dedicated to ensuring that we make it as easy as possible for these businesses. So these 10 restaurants have a number of competing priorities. They've got labor shortages. They have um, rising costs of food. There's a number of things. So if they're going to take the time to make a donation, it's typically a very complex situation or process to be able to, to um, accommodate. So what we've done is simplified it so that it's literally three steps for the staff to be able to identify the food that they want to donate and then tell us what time works best for them. So if they're closing up shop at 10 o'clock at night or they're about to head into their lunch rush, it may not make sense to have someone come pick up their donation at that moment in time. So they can schedule uh, the donation at a time window that's best for their operations. So it could be the next morning or it could be at two or three, you know, in the afternoon after the lunch rush dies down. So again, it's super, super easy, not time consuming at all, um, consistent with the operations. We work with the teams to understand like how to make it even easier for them. And then um, within a time that works as well. Yeah, for our listeners, how I met Kimberly, she came on to a sales call um, just to introduce what she does, but along with one of her uh, partner donors. And this customer just sounded so pleased with the ease of the experience. Um, And one of the things that they had mentioned being frustrated by is if, you know, you're paying staff members potentially overtime to wait for someone to come and pick it up. You know, there's a loss, you know, in multiple ways there. And sometimes they don't, they don't show. Right. So the, the scheduling, the pickup is, and, and again, just hearing it straight from the operator's perspective, actually the um, supply chain or sourcing manager and, and some of the benefits straight to food cost by having some of the insight to, you know, the quantity of food waste that's happening. So I guess that, that kind of leads me into the next question. Talk to us about the data piece. So beyond just the benefit of local organizations in the area, and, and by the way, I, I know that they can also ask and suggest whether, you know, if they've got one in mind, a preference, um, and you guys will match them up. But outside of that, talk to us just kind of about the analytics and how that can support someone who is in that purchasing or category role managing food cost. Sure. So I guess what we could probably do is take a step back and kind of ground us on what what are the benefits for businesses? So we just talked about operational ease, um, but why a business will go into donor or, or proceed with a donation program is because of a number of reasons. One, there is a social and environmental impact, positive social and environmental impact that they make by donating their perfectly edible surplus food. They're building a more equitable foundation for their local communities. Um, they are reducing their carbon footprint because they're diverting this food from landfill. And as we know, food in landfill is a number one methane emitter. 
which is 80 times more potent than carbon emissions, um, carbon dioxide as well. There's a financial benefit. So by accessing this data, not only do you get to make more intelligent purchasing and production decisions, because we know that old adage, you can't manage what you don't measure. So by understanding what your waste portfolio looks like, um, you can set benchmarks to reduce the cost further upstream. But there's also a tax deduction, and that is meaningful as well. So a business that is about to throw away $100 worth of food, and I'm using just like broad strokes at the moment uh, for, for this example, but if they're going to throw away $100 worth of food, they're going to write off a loss of $100 on their P&O. If they donate that food instead, they can write off up to $200 instead. So when we're thinking about rising costs, you know, with labor and with food and all of these other, you know, um, financial constraints or burdens, you know, this is an opportunity that you literally, it pays to do good. Um, so that's, that's another benefit. And then like the example you used of your 10 locations in California, if you are a business owner in states like California, Washington, New York, um, and it's a growing trend, um, you're going to be responsible to show compliance to various legislation that is enacted already. So for example, in California, there's SB 1383 uh, that is requiring businesses, it's an organic waste law, to not only compost their waste, but prove that they are actually donating their edible surplus. And so at the end of the day, they need to make it as easy as possible to show this compliance. This is where Copia comes in. And to kind of tie this back into what you're talking about with data, all of this is accessible to, to these businesses. So they get to take advantage of understanding what their impact is to celebrate with their employees and with their customers. They get to take that meaningful tax deduction so their accounting team has the ability to see what their deduction is instead of you know, trying to aggregate a shoebox of receipts or dozens of emails um, to figure it out. Uh, they get to hand over receipts and, and reporting to local municipalities when they come knocking on their door. So the data is really critical in a number of facets for their business, all from just donating their food. Who knew? It's incredible. It's incredible. And you're just such a great representation of technology, you know, and it's further benefits into the food service space. So what you've covered there are both carrots and sticks, right? So yeah. carrots being positive and social impact, reduction of their carbon footprint, um, financial benefit, tax deduction, insight to food waste, and then being able to adjust PARs accordingly. Um, but then also just legislation is going to be driving this as well. So it's fantastic. Talk to me a little bit about how you lean into the trends of your customer base and how that might drive decisions of change. I mean, just being at the helm, you have it to constantly respond to how it's being received and I'm sure the questions that come in or um, things like that. So what can you cover on that? I think we can step back and look at, you know, when Copia was what started, we were addressing food insecurity because we saw it on a local level. And this was back in 2015. And it was a tall order for us to get adoption because the awareness really wasn't there on a macro level. And then COVID hit. And mm. as I'm sure, Lauren, you remember on every medium, we saw the tragedy of pounds of onions being tilled back into a farm. We saw semi-trucks uh, full of like perfectly edible food going to produce, going you know, into spoilage. Same with 
it was happening at the restaurant level as well. Mm -hmm. At the same time, we also saw lines a mile long at various food banks and local nonprofits looking for food to feed their family. And it was such a stark juxtaposition and we couldn't understand why this was happening. And truthfully, the problem like hasn't gone away and food insecurity is still rising. Food waste issues still exist. In fact, according to ReFed, they just came out with their most recent numbers and ReFed is a leading um, uh, insight uh, organization into food, the food and agricultural space. Um, 40, $444 billion of food is wasted in the U.S. every year as of 2021, and $203 billion is from excess food alone. Wow. So there is, I, it's crazy. So if there's any silver lining coming from COVID, um, it was a realization in the education that this problem exists and that we now, we as Copia firmly believe that this is solvable. So going back into those trends that you're asking about, there is an increased awareness and social consciousness surrounding issues of hunger and food insecurity. There, And because of this, now many companies are actually stepping up and embracing their corporate social responsibility, recognizing the importance of giving back to their communities. It's quite frankly, no longer a nice to have. Um, and now, as we already just spoke about with legislation, governments and policymakers have recognized the significance that food donations play in combating hunger and reducing food waste. So this trend that we're seeing now that's encouraging food donations is implementing various legislations requiring it. Um, so not only are there states that are providing incentives to protect food donors from liability and the tax deduction, but now they're actually, you talked about the carrot and stick, now they're penalizing you if you're not so, I mean, yeah. speaking about disruptions that can create opportunities, in your case, I mean, legislation, which many would look at as a disruption to how they're going to manage, you know, going forward, yours is in response to that and, and certainly can help support with that. So it's, it's so interesting. What is one thing that you wish restaurants knew that could help you serve them better? It is easier than you think now to be able to donate your food. And I think there are a lot of businesses. I mean, look, chefs at the end of the day, they get into the business to feed people. They don't want to see their food go to waste. Yeah. So, so they want to do the right thing. Um, as as do th farmers and growers. And no, no one wants to see this. And so if they tried to do it in the past, the reality is it's probably been quite cumbersome because it's not easy to do. Uh, and so one, we want them to know that it is easy now. You can do this. Um, and it won't it won't be a drain on your labor or um, and it will provide a lot of benefits. Yeah, no, I think I mean, that's a good it's, a, it's primary right there. Is it easier than you think? Um, absolutely. How about the biggest challenge you're facing in your role or position as CEO right now and how you're tackling it? Everyone wears a lot of hats at Copia. So we're a small team doing a lot of big things. So for me personally, I'm always thinking about either our team or our growth. And mm -hmm. I don't think, you know, your listeners, whatever business they are in, in, in any, you know, any uh, vertical within the food ag space, whether it be distributors and manufacturers down to the restaurants, like they're, they're thinking about the same thing. So this, I don't think is unique to us. Um, we have built an incredible core team. I feel very, very fortunate. I mean, you mentioned Inc. 
the ink list, the best place to work. Like that's a validation from our team. Um, and I feel very, very special to be working with them every day. And so for me, as a leader, I am constantly thinking about one, as we grow, how do we maintain this culture? How do we maintain the specialness that we have today um, at scale? And how do I provide them the resources so that they can do their job more efficiently or better? Um, and so that's what I'm thinking about from a team standpoint. And then how do we scale? So obviously, you know, we're we're looking to grow our impact. So how do we get more businesses to know about what we're doing? But also at the same time, as we do the right thing and as we get this right for so many businesses, so many other opportunities present itself. So a good problem to have, but nonetheless a problem. And so how do we stay steadfast in our, you know, in, in our focus and maintaining, you know, a prioritization of what's in front of us so that we can tackle one thing at a time. But we'll get to it all. But how do we keep the guardrails on to protect, you know, what is important today? So lot, lots of things. I don't think it's unique to me. I think that's what just fascinates me about you being a female in that seat, right? That multi-management, multitasking, um, but also just making sure you're efficient with your time. I mean, right there, you hit the nail on the head saying steadfast and focus, but also, you know, adapting to you know, the response of, of, you know, use cases and as you grow, you know, what people are asking for and needing. So you are a female leader and there's no doubt that just being a mom, you know, is intertwined with, with how you lead your team um, in the workplace. And I'm curious for other mothers and, and women out there listening, you know, what do you feel are the strengths that you bring into this role? And, you know, maybe speaking a little bit about your leadership style in general. Sure. Uh, well, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this as well, Lauren, as a female parent uh, executive. I believe, and this is my leadership style, so the listeners uh, here today may subscribe to uh, a myriad of other different leadership styles, but what has worked for me and has resonated, um, it has been the visibility and the self-awareness that I have gained from being a parent. And by no means, Am I comparing my team to children? Uh, they are contributing members of society. They are adults. They have their own families. Um, but similarly, as a leader, it is important that we, one, not only are consistent, but we are also fair. It also needs the authority to be able to make the decisions. So empowering the team um, with the context, with the lens of what is right for them, you know, whether that be the right age as a parent, like what's the right decision for a child to make it this age that's age appropriate versus like what division or respective responsibilities are you in charge of um, for the organization, but giving them um, some guardrails. But the space has been incredibly fulfilling for me to be able to see like how we as an organization have grown leaps and bounds because of that ownership that the team has. And there's a lot of collaboration as well. And I know I've thrown around a lot of words here, consistency, collaboration, fairness, accountability, authority, but it all goes back to trusting your team and surrounding your, yourself with the right people. And if you are aligned in your mission at the top, then everyone at the organization moves in the same direction. And it's critical at a startup because you're moving very quickly. So that was a lot. 
I don't know what circle I just took you on, Lauren, but hopefully that was helpful. No, it's very helpful. Very relevant. All right, Kimberly. So what are the values just in general Copia is grounded in? Mm. We are very fortunate because we are a small team and we decided early on that we were going to build core values that every single person on our team embodied. You know, we're not a hundred person organization or bigger where when you finally think about core values, the reality is, is they become aspirational. You're, you know, you're hoping that the team embodies these values because you're so big. Like we had a very unique opportunity to say, we're going to stop in this moment of time. We are going to look around this, you know, virtual room. We're 100% remote now. And we're really going to try to identify what resonates with each person on our team. And it's critical for us that, you know, as I was speaking earlier about the growth of the team and how do we keep what is so special about Copia as we scale, it is critical that we hire around those core values. Because we can hire, there are thousands of engineers that can program, Mm -hmm. but how many of them actually are rooted in what we believe in? And and I also want to distinguish that core values and culture are actually different for us. Our culture, we have an incredible culture, but our culture is inevitably going to change with each person that comes onto our team because each person is going to bring diverse experience and knowledge and beliefs and so forth. And so hopefully it continues to be a positive one as we grow, um, but that's going to evolve. The core values are non-negotiable for us. So we have identified three and those three are um, servant leadership. And we went back and forth on this, a sense of gratitude and strong opinions loosely held. And servant leadership, we think about both internally and externally. We are here, I mean, our mission as an organization is to eliminate food insecurity. Um, How do we help the communities in need? How do we help the businesses make it easy for them? How do we help the nonprofits and all the incredible work that they're doing to take that burden off their plates? How do we help our environment? Uh, But also internally, collaboration is really, really important to us. And so there's no problem that doesn't impact every single person. And what we think, you know, we get to big companies, it's my problem, not my problem. Everything is our problem because we are aligned as a company and and moving in the same direction. And so how do we stop and think about how everyone's problems play into the macro, you know, goal of the company? And so we've got an incredible team that's willing to stop and help at any point in time. Sense of gratitude. It's funny. I am um, technically by age a what is it, a geriatric millennial. I would say I cringe at that because I don't, from a mindset standpoint, fit the millennial uh, um, stereotypes. I guess I grew up in a very different household. Um, so when I first came to to Copia, I thought it was very woo woo, very California to be having a gratitude session at every single team meeting. And I tell you what, Lauren, it has been one of the most fulfilling parts of this company is working with these, these incredible human beings that take a moment at the, every, at the end of team, every team meeting to express gratitude for someone or something. Because no matter how hard life is, there's always something we can be grateful for. And 
it will surprise you. So if you are listening and you are thinking about adopting this, it may be difficult in the beginning because a little cringeworthy for some people to like speak up. You will be surprised. The people that you expect to be the most quiet or to be fearful of speaking have the most gratitude to give. And you come away listening from these, these sessions with the biggest smile on your face, even if your name isn't even, you know, um, uh, acknowledged in that moment because of the love that is shared amongst the team. And so that is really, really special. And then strong opinions loosely held. Uh, one of our engineers, Chad, mentioned this once in a meeting and it really resonated. And I think everyone inherently wants to think about the loosely held piece, like, oh, you know, you don't want to be combative. Um, and that isn't necessarily the case. It's that if you are aligned with your broader mission um, and you recognize that an opinion or a decision has been made that doesn't necessarily resonate with you and what you're thinking, if it is aligned with the greater goal, you get behind it. And the strong opinions piece is like, I want people to have strong opinions. If you don't have a strong opinion, you don't care. So show up every day and care. And, and, you know, not to say that like, you know, you need to be on your soapbox every moment of the day, but like, let people know and great ideas come from it. Um, so I'm really, really proud of the core values. And I know that I took probably way too long to answer this, but it's something that we ground ourselves in and, and I feel is very, very important to the success of our organization. I'm so glad you did. I mean, servant leadership, gratitude and strong opinions loosely held. I actually have a, a daily practice of, of gratitude so I can speak to just the impact it has um, in, in, in the cadence, right? Doing it every single day, no matter what, starting your day, understanding just the basics. But I've never thought to bring it into the workspace and, and even just small team group calls. What was I grateful for this morning? Um, you know, I have to check. I text them out. I have to check. I have you to really? check. Really? Oh, you hold and you hold yourself accountable. Accountable. Yes. I love that. I said, oh, I said, grateful I don't have to make a decision rooted in guilt today. How's that? Wow. I feel like um, we should go on a whole podcast about that. <laughs> Talk about women leadership and moms, parents. Gosh. Um, I was going to say my husband does something where they bring a dad joke and a fun fact to their circle every day, but I've never thought about gratitude. So. That's cool. I like that. Maybe we can do that. No one finds me funny at my in my company, so you only one laughing at my own jokes. So I stick to the gratitude. <laughs> All right, let's talk futurescape. Where is Copia headed in twenty twenty three? And if you could, if you could write the agenda for it next five years. Wow. Okay. So for twenty twenty three, I cannot share specifics, uh, which kills me because I love yes. celebrating all of the excitement that's going on in Copia. But um, we are building something um, that will remove every barrier um, that makes it difficult or makes it a harder decision to implement a donation program. So we finally found the final pieces to be able to open the door for any business of any size um, to, to participate. So super excited about that. Uh, maybe I can come back on it. Going back to what I mentioned earlier about the opportunities, you know, and, and staying focused, there's a lot of different directions that we can go because we have built a surplus redistribution plan. 
we are connecting supply and demand. And unlike a typical marketplace where we um, have to find the supply and we have to find the demand, we have the demand. There are tens of thousands of nonprofits raising their hand every day saying, we need, we need, and we understand exactly what those needs are. So if we can start with the most complex first, which is highly perishable food, who's to say that we can't be the platform that helps connect any surplus? So we've already, I'm very excited uh, to share it. We've already started with a national retailer. Uh, you will be hearing more about it soon uh, because we are um, still in the pilot phase here. Um, but we are helping them redistribute over-the-counter medicine, household goods, hygiene products, clothing. And so when we think about the reduction of waste in landfill, it extends beyond food. And when we think about equitable access to communities in need, there we go. It's not just food. There's so many other things, basic needs that, that, we, um, that we have. How can we help fulfill this? And in doing so, give businesses the financial benefit and the feel good um, that comes with it. So uh, I think there's a lot of opportunity out there for us. I've always loved hearing you talk about what you do because uh, the passion, you just light up. Um, you're certainly in the space suited for you. But you haven't always been. So take me back in time to little Kimberly College. What did you want to do when you're out the gate? You know, what did you get started in and, and, and how did it lead you to where you are today? When I was in college, I wanted to be a sportscaster. Uh, cool. So I interned and this is, I don't want to take this podcast on too long of a, a derail here, but um, at the time, 20 plus years ago, <laughs> broadcasters, sports broadcasters were not prevalent. I mean, Andrea Kramer was out there leading the charge, but that was the extent. Um, and so uh realized that that wasn't the path for me. Mm -hmm. um, however, with broadcasting, I love journalism. I love asking questions. I'm so envious of the position that you're in. Uh, being able to get, meet so many people and ask so many questions and learn from uh, people's experiences. Um, I ended up in the advertising space. Uh, so I worked for a, um, a station, a television station in Los Angeles called KTLA. So if you're out here on the West Coast, Channel 5. Um, and we worked with the Clippers. And so I got, I satiated that fill uh, uh, through that part. And then went over to radio and did the same thing with the Dodgers as working at CBS radio station. And it was funny at the time, there was this thing called the internet and being the youngest uh, person on the staff, they're like, hey, Kimberly, you know, why don't we build a website? You could do that, right? Because that's, of course, what I should do because I, at the generation, uh, I know everything about the internet. So uh, I sought out to build uh, KTLA's homegrown uh, website. And uh, clearly does not exist today uh, because we have advanced far past what Kimberly uh, helped start back then. Um, and I realized that the internet space and data was really interesting because, again, with data, you get to ask questions. Um, and so uh, I went into the advertising, internet advertising media, big data space and was there for the last, gosh, 15 years or so. Had a wonderful career. Uh didn't feel fully fulfilled. Um, I it gave me and my family, uh, along with my husband, and he's in the industry as well, uh, a wonderful life provided for us. Um, 
but there was something that was still gnawing at me. And, you know, I think every person certainly accelerated when you become a parent, um, but happens to all of us. You have a moment of what am I doing to give back to the next generation? Like what, what's the meaning, you know, how am I contributing to the world's betterment? Um, I always feel like people say, I want to change the world. And I, I think we, we don't need to change the world. We can just improve the world. Um, and so uh, during this moment of reflection, uh, I gave birth to our little boy, our second child. And it was just that that time and place, right? And so I realized, okay, I'm going to take the leap. And I was afforded the opportunity to do that. I could take a chance going to a startup um, with the support of my my spouse and uh, found Copia. And it was the culmination of everything I could have dreamed of. Um, and so I started off as the, the growth chief growth officer and helped the business kind of understand how we could leverage technology because we're really going to scale our impact. How do we do that? Uh, and the team was already thinking about that. So that's not something that, that I introduced, but kind of, you know, really pushing that to the forefront of our priorities uh, and looking at the data and the value that the data provides to, to every stakeholder. Uh, and then I had the, the great fortune of, of stepping into the CEO role about a year and a half ago. Um, it's been truly like the honor and privilege of a lifetime. And I'm speaking to you, you live in Laguna Beach, California, which is such a small world because that is where I was born and raised. And you mentioned KTLA. (laughs) Such a lucky girl. Um, You mentioned KTLA. I would watch KTLA morning news every morning and Jennifer York specifically in Skycam 5, who would fly over the traffic. She would wear her hair to one side of her, and I was like, goals. I wanted to be in broadcasting. Um, and and then it's just it's so funny where here I am in fresh produce. But um, I love it. And gosh, this conversation has been spectacular. I I so admire, again, this the, the what you have to share in terms of business leadership practices, but also just your journey in um, sustainability and, and really bringing it home in a way that is easy to access for our restaurants. So um, I can't, we'll include everything uh, to be able to reach out to this team here at Copia in the show notes, as well as, um, you know, your three gu- guiding principles, which I love. Um, we're going to wrap up with a few questions that we always ask each guest, kind of a rapid fire I've talked about mine. I want to know yours. What is the daily habit that keeps you grounded? Uh, well, same, same thing. I mean, a sense of gratitude. So I, I too, I don't take it to the extent that I write it out. Uh, so I commend you on <laughs> that. So, so taking a moment, you know, also this is not a practice that I recommend for anyone. Like this is not, I'm not your healthy CEO that comes in and says, I wake up at 4am and I work out and I, you know, I meditate for an hour. Goals, goals. I fortunately have an iPhone that allows me to walk into a shower every morning and start looking at my emails. And that grounds me for the day to be able to like, look at what the priorities are for the day and what I got to tackle. So not healthy, but <laughs> emails in the shower make me more productive every day. <laughs> oh, best answer yet. Okay, so that actually that might be that might be the next one here. What I can't even say this without laughing. So it's, what else so can you bring to the shower? A cup of coffee? Did you know? That's the that's the habit that keeps you grounded. I don't even want to know the 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 tool or the strategy that saves you the most time because there it is. You already have it. Two in one. 
You got it. <laughs> it's a twofer. Okay. How about this one? To female leaders, what is your best secret that you're willing to share? For female leaders, do something that brings you joy to, to kind of expound upon that. Like finding something that brings you joy doesn't help you sleep every single night soundly. It doesn't alleviate challenges, but it makes what you're doing more meaningful. And it's hard to do that. And it's certainly a privilege to be able to do something that brings you joy. But if you can find a way to make it work, highly recommend it. Um, and um, what else would I recommend? Recognize, have some self-awareness. But I think we offer an apology too quickly um, to make others feel comfortable. And, and by doing so, we lessen ourselves and our opinions and our, you know, value, um, because the association is that we're in the wrong and we do that instinctually to make others feel comfortable. And so if you can take a beat before you say that, and if it's warranted, do and do it sincerely, but, but also like recognize that you're not necessarily wrong for having an opinion or for, you know, making a decision that isn't necessarily, you know, status quo or popular belief. Um, stand firm in what you believe in. I want to thank you for having the courage to share that. You're just such a rock star. Um, Back at you, girl. I'm so honored to be on this, Lauren. Thank you for this opportunity. But I think it's true. A lot of people apologize out of that. It goes back to guilt, right? It's a simple decision rooted in guilt. We're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. And I think I read somewhere too, where that's sometimes it's a tendency if someone bumps into you or you're walking too close in public, just in that public space where it's like, I'm so sorry. And 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 that's an interesting thing where it's like, it wasn't even born out of COVID. I feel like we're, we're kind of getting too close in each other's lanes. I'm a old school East Coast girl as well. So I will continue to apologize if I bump you because I don't want you to feel like I did it on purpose. I'm also not a small human being. So, <laughs> so maybe, maybe, uh, maybe I can work on that as well. <laughs> Stay in your lane. Okay. Who's been a mentor for you, which I'm, I'm very curious to hear this one. Who's been a mentor for you in what way? I am really fortunate. I have some incredible people surrounding me and our team uh, from a business standpoint, uh, incredible investors and board members and, and even customers. Um, my teammates, you know, like even the younger generation that comes in and and helps me self-reflect um, and look at things in a different way. But it comes from home first, I believe. Like my father has always been, you know, my first, he was my first mentor as well as my mother, um, but in different ways. And when I think about from a business context, um, I, I leaned on my father a lot. And my father, I remember my father said to me when I first took my first management role, he says, okay, Kimberly, um, how many, how many employees, how many teammates are you going to be managing now? I said, dad, I'm going to be managing five people. So excited. And he says, congratulations, Kimberly, you have five new problems every day. <laughs> Why? He says, well, it's no longer about you. It's about the team. And he was also the one that instilled the fairness and consistency, because if you can be fair and you can be consistent, you're reliable and, you know, 
so forth. So he, he was my first mentor. Um, but the one that plays the biggest role in my life is my husband. Um, he's my partner in life. And so he, he grounds me when crazy Kimberly comes out and I start going down a different path, like, you know, provides, holds up the mirror sometimes, you know, the proverbial mirror when I need it, um, gives me a moment of pause. And so I'm really thankful, um, that he, he is in my life. And, and I think that that's, you know, for, for anyone that's looking for a mentor, it doesn't have to be formal. You know, you, you just pick the people, surround yourself with the people that you aspire to be, that hold the values that you believe in and, and it'll naturally come. And don't be afraid to ask too. Like, don't be afraid to ask advice. Like it's scary to show that vulnerability that you don't know something or that you're struggling with a decision. You know, reaching out to someone to ask them for help, more times, you know, than not, you'll be surprised. They'll want to help and they'll appreciate because they've probably been in your shoes before being able to help. Yeah. Yeah. I remember hearing from someone, any chance you get, I mean, there's probably an error to the other side of it too, but any chance you get, ask someone for their advice. People mm. love to be asked. And, you know, I, I share your sentiment with your father. I mean, my, my dad's been a huge role model for me in, in the business context, my mother too, in personal, but for business, my father, and I do, because he's no longer working, I do try and ask him for his advice as often as I can because he loves it. So I remind myself that that's a gift yeah. for him. I, you know, also real quick, it's funny. We both, we both just did this. We both acknowledged our mothers. Did your mother work? No, not anymore. So did, did she work? She did. She was a flight oh, attendant. She worked and she was traveling all the time. Right. right. My mother was an extremely perf like successful professional. And yet we still went to our fathers. And I think this might be the change in the next generation. And we, we attribute our, you know, appreciation for our fathers and their business leadership. But our mothers worked and our mothers made sure that we turned out the way that we did and were always there for us. And so, you know, also a shout out to the moms, because I think, you know, because of the sacrifices they made, we now get to show our generation. And it's no longer, you know, one day when our when our girls are, are on these podcasts, maybe the first person they go to is their mother as well. So, um, you know, it's not easy balancing at all. So shout out to my mom, mom. <laughs> And your mom, Lauren. What's her name? Yes. And my mom, Loralee. <laughs> Shout out to you, Loralee. And I'm going to put a big red bow on it right there. Yeah. Um, I I want to send our listeners to to where they can connect with you, with Copia. Um, if they've heard something here that interests them further, they just want to bounce questions off of you. Where where can they find you? Laguna Beach. Uh <laughs> <laughs> In my office all the time. Uh, so you can reach out to support at gocopia.com, partnerships at gocopia.com. Um, you know, check out our website. We're on all the social media platforms as well. Uh, C-O-P-I-A or gocopia.com. And we would love to be able to support any of the needs that are out there for your listeners. So thank you. Kimberly and her team will come on and, and join. If you've got a client or you want to support this effort to your board, she will join you in presenting what they do and how it's done. So don't feel like you have to take that on yourself. She does a beautiful job at doing it. I love, I love having the source speak, you know, the delivery from the source. So um, highly recommend that as well. Kimberly, thank you so much. Thank you, Lauren.
Thank you to our listeners as well. And gosh, if you've learned something today, if you were inspired by what you heard, please share this episode with someone that you feel can benefit to a mother, a sister, a friend, um, gentleman, anyone. And uh, I, I, I truly cannot thank you enough. This conversation is exactly what I hoped it would be. Oh, thanks, Lauren. Same here. This has been another exciting episode of Grounded. See you next time. And that wraps up another episode. We have covered a lot of ground today. Thank you for joining. For show notes and our most updated market report, visit us at groundedthepod.com. Grounded is powered by the Buyer's Edge Produce Division. Our mission is to provide innovative solutions and excellent service to food service operators by leveraging technology, talent, and an insatiable appetite to improve.